0: begin in that, and then I want someone to get for me with Romans 128. Somebody like to get 2 Timothy uh, 1.7 Is Don Galati. I'd like somebody to get Romans 128, Bill Lamb. So we're beginning a new series this morning, and uh, uh, it's entitled Insanity, or Sound Mind. It will be moving off of 2 Timothy, our key scripture every week. And uh, uh, so I have never done a study on the mind before. I got uh, triggered on this and and began to uh, uh, mull over uh, some of the things that uh, you run into. You may have heard me say that the older I get, the more important I see that it's absolutely essential that you develop uh, good thinking patterns and good mental habits, a discipline of your mind. Uh, Because the older you get, the worse you get. How many of you know that? The older you get, you don't, don't the better you get, the worse you get. And so uh, uh, it's, a, it's a very sad thing to see people who have uh, just, uh, through carelessness, through a failure to discipline, they absolutely are nutcases. Uh, I was in El Paso last night doing a crusade for Paul Stevens and uh, not having uh, someone with me that's experienced that feeds the people to pray for while he fed me a looney tune. And uh, so she's begin to manifest. She's a religious nut to what she is. Her son's a pastor. And uh, so she's a very example of what I'm talking about right here in this, uh, in this study. And so uh, uh, I got triggered on this. I wanted to uh, begin to uh, ponder this. Uh, I'm not sure where we're going. We'll probably do seven or eight uh, sessions on this and uh, as I work it through because there's much, much in the Bible, much more than I realized on, on the subject of the mind, And so the question comes, why would a man uh, douse himself in gasoline and then ignite it? We had a case here just recently in the States. A a man douses himself with gasoline then sets it on fire. You have to be nutty to do that. Can you say, man, nobody with a a right mind is going to douse themselves in gasoline and uh, set it on fire. Uh, Here in Prescott Valley, why would a man in a family dispute? Uh, follow his brother-in-law outside his mobile home and then shoot him dead with a shotgun. It wouldn't matter what the argument's going to be. Uh, it's not worth spending the rest of your life in prison or going to a gas chamber. Isn't that right? I mean, I've had some folk really upset me in my time. <laughs> but only a nut uh, is going to go and uh, shoot somebody and then spend the rest of their life, uh, squander every asset they have uh, trying to escape the gas chamber. or uh, and And so... Uh, this is a result of someone who has not governed their mind and have uh, developed uh, the, the processes there. So, uh, on the other hand, why would a president enjoying record numbers in the polls, as approval ratings, take a young intern into the hallway in the bathroom in the Oval Office at the White House and engage in sex acts? That's insanity. Can you say Amen? Here's a person is the most watched person on earth. He's he's watched more than a prisoner. And you have to be insane. But you see, the problem is uh, that uh, uh, there's a difficulty, and that goes with the governing of a life. And uh, a little uh, insight to give you as I did a study and and did it in a sermon and repeated this that the word repent comes from a root word which means after madness. So we're getting down to. Uh, the subject in hand. Second Timothy 1:7 is a great uh, text; uh, just has uh, uh, potent possibilities, and I'd like for Don Galati to read that out loud for us. Second Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7 is going to be our, our key scripture on this study: insanity or a sound mind. Okay. And so uh, if you look that up in some translations, they'll translate that sound mind as a disciplined mind. So we want to study this morning. I want to deal with the subject of a reprobate mind, a reprobate mind. Romans 1, 28. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Okay, that fits perfectly. But the sad thing is that he's uh, president over an insane people. That's the problem. Okay, so I want to first of all talk to you about the mind as a battlefield. Uh, there's, a, uh, uh, there's a subject here that uh, is a spiritual dimension. When you get into the conflict in the spirit realm, in the spiritual realm, the mind becomes the battlefield. And when you're in this spiritual warfare, there's a mental dimension we need to deal with that first of all. I want to, Ephesians 6:16 6, somewhere in this is Brian to get that for me? Is it Pete Baker? Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 10:3 through 5. Now both of these scriptures have uh, a potent imagery that will really help you uh, in understanding the dynamics of the mind. Ephesians 6:16. 6, All right, here's an imagery that uh, you need to uh, uh, lock your minds in on. And if you've never seen this before, you need to uh, know this. He moves this out of of the actuality of the society in which he lives. And uh, warfare was quite common in Bible days. One of the things that they would build would be fortresses. In other words, they would build big walls. Uh, the evidences of these are still uh, throughout the world. If you travel into ancient cities, you'll find that cities existed by having walls. They built fortresses, and so uh, they would uh, uh, surround themselves with walls, put uh, uh, put great uh, uh, gates in, and uh, parapets and uh, various ports to shoot arrows and and uh, and so on pour boiling oil on people that were trying to get in and so on and so forth and so uh, one of the strategies that he developed was uh, taking an arrow uh, dipping it in pitch and uh, fashioning it and then shooting it inside uh, the fortress this would uh, uh, land on the roofs of the structures that were in uh, which of course were wooden and uh, this would begin to burn them out from within and uh, he uses this in a spiritual imagery to uh, to let us understand how the uh, the mind and the soul is engaged in spiritual warfare and so he says taking the shield of faith whereby we shall be able to uh, quench all the fiery darts uh, of the wicked and so uh, uh, he's he's using uh, uh, he's using an imagery there uh, because uh, when you and I are assaulted in a spiritual realm it's faith that begins to take hold and overcome every power of the enemy and to begin to bring the mind into discipline and so uh, 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 there are various assaults that come on human personality. There's lust, there's greed, uh, there's uh, hate, there's pride, there's evil imagination, there's fear. All of these are the assaults that come. These are the flaming arrows and he uses this imagery to uh, uh let us to understand uh that uh that the shield of faith uh, and, and uh, uh and quite frequently uh when they were engaged in warfare they would form a, a solid shield uh and this solid shield if if uh, uh it's actually a double injury, I- imagery and if they were to fire a volley of arrows uh, then they would join shield to shield and shield to shield and so he uses this double imagery to show that there is a resistance, and there is a warfare, and there's a spiritual dimension that must be engaged. Second Corinthians 10, three through five gives a little added asset uh, and insight into that, and Pete Baker, if you read that. Okay, here he gives us this imagery again, and he uses the imagery of a stronghold, and these uh, strongholds are gained by the fractional thoughts uh, that come to a mind. The, w- the word thought here is the Greek word noema, is the fractional thought or the perception of how things are, and so he, he, uh, he uses that, first he uh, uses the assault on strongholds, then He begins to bring into that these fractional thoughts that come to our mind. How many of you ever had a bad thought? How many of you ever had a thought of doubt? How many of you ever had a thought of fear? I won't ask about lust because I don't want a confession service here. So here is the imagery. These are two powerful scriptures that have to do with this. And remember, we're dealing with a reprobate mind this is where we're headed uh, as uh, as uh, uh, Bill Lamb read uh, here is a process if you read the entire chapter of Romans 1, 20, uh, 1 you'll begin to see a process that sets in and this is that you shove God out God is no longer in control uh, God no longer dominates the mind and as that happens then uh, there begins to be weakness uh, and other things begin to take dominion until it finally produces a reprobate mind which manifests itself in some horrible manifestations of character which we're seeing every day in the headlines. Okay, I want in this section right here, Luke twenty-four thirty-six through 38 is uh, Woody. I need uh, uh, Acts 5, 1-3. It was uh, Dennis. Uh, Nick, will you get for me uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 3? I need somebody to get Genesis 3, 6. Uh, Bill, if you'll get that for me. And uh, it was Alan, if you will get for me James 1, 13 through 15. So here we're dealing with the mind, the dynamics of the mind, and how the mind operates. And uh, uh, to understand that will help us to be able to govern our mind and not be overcome with many of the things that uh, that come our way. Luke 24 36 through 38, these are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, what we have there is a uh, terminology, is doubtful imaginations. And so they see the Lord Jesus, but you see immediately uh, the, the fallen nature of man... And the enemy of our souls begin to uh, uh, explain uh, in a different dimension what we're really seeing with our eyes. There are many people who come to miracle crusades. They see a miracle, and immediately uh, they begin to, their mind goes to work of why that is not really a miracle that they're seeing. It's something else. This is some kind of trickery, or it's magic, or, uh, uh, or it's a suggestion. Uh, power suggestion or so on. And so this is, this is a, the, the the desperate thing about the human personality is even when God manifests himself and moves, then immediately the fallen and the base nature and the power of the enemy begins to go to work. And the real word there is doubtful imaginations. How many of you have ever had a doubtful imagination? Of course you have. That's a part of human nature. Acts 5, 1 through 3. wife's solely possession and he kept back part of the proceed His Wife also being aware of it brought a cart and it to the house the but Peter said Ananias why has Satan filled your heart the life of the Holy Spirit keep that part of the price of the land for yourself All right. why has Satan filled your heart often in the scripture the heart uh, involves the mind you'll see the synonymous use of this term and so here is Ananias Uh, They've made a a promise to God. Uh, They said, if we sell this land for certain, certain, we're going to give so much or whatever, the whole thing to God. And they do that. They change their mind. And uh, as they change their mind, uh, greed or covetousness has entered into their heart. And so it says, Satan has filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. This is the dynamics of the mind. Uh, I want uh, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. As the serpent deceived Eve so your mind may be turned from or beguiled or bewitched from its simplicity which is in Christ Jesus now give us Genesis 3:6 uh, because this is the text this uh, 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 the historical uh, occasion this moves from The woman saw that the tree was pleasant for food And it was desirable to make one wise. So, go ahead. All right, here are words. These words come from the devil. Uh, this begins to ignite in her uh, other thoughts besides God's word. And uh, through the sight of that and through the words that were spoken, a desire begins to enter and the gate is the, my, uh, as the eye and the mind begins to move uh, and the process begins. James 1, 13 through 15. Every man is led aside of his own lust. So how does that operate? It doesn't operate independently of the mind. Let's, let's say that uh, because lust is, is a desire uh, outside the will of God. It can be greed. It can be uh, uh, a desire to hate. It can be murder. It can be uh, immorality. Whatever it is, it operates in the mind. Isn't that correct? And it, 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 no one's ever walking along. And as they're walking along, all of a sudden, I think I'll fornicate. Isn't this correct Bam and I said I don't know how this happened I said sure you know how it happened you thought it out in the imagination of the mind the whole scenario went down and this is why I said every man is led aside of his own lust and trapped and when trapped uh, 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 or, or persuaded then when uh, lust is conceived brings forth death and death and uh, the sin and when sin is finished it brings forth death okay. So having said that, I want to touch on one important facet this has to do with words, because words give direction to the mind. Over on my far left, James 3, 4 through 6. Somebody like to get that for me? Is uh, Steve Garfield. And I want Second Timothy 3, 1 through 8 is Louis Polino, if you'll get that for me. And it was Joel uh, 1, uh, Titus 1, 15 and 16. So I want those three. So words, think about this a moment, write this down because this is a a powerful dimension. Words give direction to the mind. The words that you speak give direction to your thought processes and to your mind. James uh, 3, 4 through 6. All right, this is a wide scope, but let me uh, focus in on the power of the tongue. When we speak, we add a dimension to the thought processes. We then set the course, and our whole mental faculty then goes to work editing and filtering uh, to buttress and to affirm the declaration that we make. It's very powerful. The devil does not control your thoughts. You control your thoughts. I preached that one time in Australia. There was a man there came to me. He'd been in the, in the church since he was a boy, uh, and, uh, and uh, his whole family had. And this was the most revolutionary thought that had ever come to his mind uh, to, to understand that he controlled his mind. Now, every one of you think for a moment. How many of you know what a shovel is? All right, think for a moment. You take a shovel. You have this shovel. You put it under your foot. You drive it into the earth, and you throw a shovel full of dirt. Get that imagery imagery for a moment. See how hard that was. You control your mind. You can do anything that you want to with your mind. Now, the devil, his business is to come with thoughts, and he puts the thoughts into your mind. and uh, And then, as he puts them in there, this may be doubts. This may be unbelief. This may be a lie. But you see, as you repeat that, then this adds a second dimension, which is a very powerful faculty of the soul and of the personality. Then this begins to give direction to, as he said, behold the tongue. is such a little member, but uh, look at the power that it has. Uh, the ships, are great ships in the sea, very small rudder, uh, guides them wherever they are. And the captain with a very small helm is able to guide them. Uh, a little flame. Uh, you can take a little match, and if you ignite that little match in some grass that is near some trees and some uh, and debris, the next thing you know you have a raging inferno that even man can 't control so he gives us this imagery to let us understand, and so words have the power uh, to uh, to give direction to our personality, and it affirms in us uh, our whole personality. The mind then gives direction, for instance. Uh, uh, down Galati, you drive a Plymouth, right? Best car in the world, or you wouldn't own it. He buys a Plymouth. He's not going to say, you know what, Plymouths are trash. These things are garbage. He's not going to do that. He's gonna to say to you, because he paid money he made a decision, you see, to buy that car. This was based on the the means that he had and the opportunities there. And he's going to say, I made a good deal on that car. Now he didn't, but he's gonna say that. <laughs> because no one's ego is gonna say, you know what, I was a fool. I bought that Plymouth and I no, 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 no. You don't understand human personality. Now our ego's on the line. Right? So now uh, our mind goes to where automatically. Our words have already keyed in our mind and, and, and our, our, uh, our mind is automatically going to filter anything that's opposed to Plymouth. Any criticism of our judgment of, uh, of, uh, of buying Plymouth and is going to defend to the death that we bought a good deal. The only way that that was not going to happen is if it fell apart in the middle of the street. Then he might change his mind. But otherwise... He's going to defend. Are you Are you following me? You're following the dynamics here. This is why people won't change their mind about Bill Clinton. Their ego's involved. All right, back to spiritual things. <laughs> Added to this, then as we begin to take a course in life, we make decisions concerning spiritual things, we make decisions... Concerning moral positions, then as we make those decisions, then we begin to develop what is a conscience. This is the settled uh, thinking. This is not the noema. This is not the fractional thoughts. This is now is is another word which is our mental perception uh, as it is settled. This is our settled thinking and our conscience then begins to move out of that. Now, our conscience is our self-testimony. We develop a philosophy. We develop a conviction. Uh, If you're born again, then you suddenly have an enlightened conscience. You begin to read the Bible. You begin to form a right or wrong. If you're raised in a good family, uh, you even already have a sense of right or wrong. And so our conscience uh, begins to be formed, our subtle thinking processes. uh, And so uh, we begin to live life that. Now, if we violate that, if we violate our self-testimony, Then we either have to repent, confess and get back right with God, or now we begin to develop another personality. We know that that this is right, but we're not doing right now. Now we're going to do wrong. And so as we begin to do wrong, then we become uh, uh, two people. There's a split personality. It's the beginning stages of schizophrenia. Extreme schizophrenics wind up in mental institutions. Sadly, many of them run loose in the streets and some of them even get elected. <laughs> then there's another person. I talked to a man that uh, one time was, uh, was uh, uh, involved in immorality. He's a minister of the gospel. And as I'm talking to him, he's explaining, uh, as he got right with God, he's explaining to me uh, what happened to him. And he says these words, I felt like my mind was in two pieces. One, I know what to do right. I know what I should do. Two, I'm doing something and I know it's not right. And so our personality is so constructed, God has given us uh, a certain dynamics in our personality that we cannot live with ourselves. And so we develop now another personality. Our mind begins to be separated. And uh, another person was telling me that he was uh, dealing with this person who was involved in immorality. And uh, was saying, how could a person do that And this person whom he did not know was involved in immorality says you have to become two people to do that. Well, that's exactly what happens uh, to the mind of man. So now we're getting a few dynamics. I want 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 8. In the last days perilous times shall come. Men are going to be oriented to their own gratification, their own self-interest. They're going to exalt that. That's going to be their God. This is going to, re- uh, this is going to produce uh, uh, vast uh, difficulties of juvenile delinquency. It's going to fill our juvenile institution and our prisons uh, uh, with people who are affected by that. And besides that, their parents are not going to take the responsibility for them. They're going to dump them off on society and go live their own selfish life. Go ahead. That's what that said. They're going to make agreements. They're going to accept solemn responsibility, enter into covenants uh, one with another, and they're going to totally dishonor that because self is going to rule. They don't care who does what. It's me. It's mine. It's what I'm going to do. Go ahead. They're going to hate people that are good people. They're going to begin to despise Christians. They'll write about them in the newspapers. They'll make movies about them uh, and... uh, uh, evangelists that are all crooked and on and on and on, they're going to despise that. Go ahead. A leap of faith, Steve Allen. Go ahead. They're going to be filled with immorality. But they're going to be very religious. They're going to go to charismatic conferences one right after the other. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. We'll come down to grips with that in a moment. So what we have is men whose moral sense, women also, is perverted and whose mind is beclouded by their own speculation Titus 1 15 and 16 uh, this is what we're having to deal with in the church world right now and it's a desperate desperate situation alright we want to talk for a moment about the maintaining of a good conscience I said earlier our conscience is our self testimony and I want in my far right Acts 24 verse 16 somebody like to get that for me quickly uh, who is it David Acts 24 verse 16 I want second Corinthians 112 uh, It's uh, Mike back in the corner I want second Corinthians 4 1 and 2 Richard Hernandez in first Timothy 1 5 uh, it's uh, Robert uh, and then I want First Timothy four two. Somebody, uh, uh, women deacons. Okay, our conscience is our self testimony. Remember, this is extremely important. You cannot ignore the facts of a conscience. Your conscience is established by the formation of the thoughts that you've embraced and that you have uh, formed together uh, to make your personality. Acts twenty four. Verse 16. Paul is uh, speaking. He says, I have exercised myself to have a conscience that is void of offense uh, towards God and man. When you do wrong, you can't escape your conscience. I mean, there are testimony after testimony. We read articles all the time of the profound power of a conscience. 10, 15... Twenty, twenty-five years later, they no longer can live with themselves. They've done a murder. It hasn't uh, uh, been—it hasn't been revealed. They come forward and say, "I can't go through life. I can't stand this any longer." And they they come forward and uh, and uh, bite the bullet and uh, confess that because the power of a conscience. We cannot live with a violated conscience. Second Timothy, uh, Second Corinthians, rather, one twelve. testimony of our conscience and he begins to lay out the lifestyle that he's living uh, to buttress or reinforce that 2 Corinthians 4 1 and 2 Paul says we're living in accord with the truth, the revealed Word of God, and we are living, commending ourselves to every man's conscience openly in the sight of God. 1 Timothy 1.5 The end of the commandment is of a pure conscience. Conscience is extremely important. And as I said before, you can't violate your conscience without consequences. 1 Timothy 4.2 gives a little insight if we do that. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hard iron. This is what happens when you begin to violate your own conscience. Then you become unfeeling. It's like uh, you're burning yourself. Anyone who's been burnt, you know... That there's nerve damage and there's a loss of feeling in that burn. How many of you know that? This is what happens to the conscience. And this is what we've spoken earlier is uh, the boy president. This is his problem. He has no conscience. There is no conscience in this man. He's a pragmatist. Whatever works is how he lives uh, and whatever he can get by with. He has no conscience. He can lie one day. Matter of fact, he's been lying for, for the last six years. One lie right after the other. Anybody that follows? Uh, But you see, they know the media, and they know the media never does check on people to see if they're telling the truth. And so they discovered, uh, just like uh, uh, Goebbels did in Hitler's Germany, that uh, all you have to do is just spout it out, keep spouting it out, and you get by with it, because people don't think for themselves, and most people won't check uh, the record. And so this is what happens, and we're dealing with people who have no conscience uh, of any kind. It's seared with a hot iron. You say, how could they do that? How could they? How could they live that life? The reason is that they've done this so long; they no longer have a conscience that is active. Unless a miracle of God happens, uh, generally some horrible tragedy, some uh, terrible thing, where they finally are be uh, open to God and begin to be penetrated with conviction, uh, most of these people will never, never change. They'll be that way to the grave. First uh, uh, Timothy one five. Did I get that? Okay, I want uh, 1 Timothy 4:2. No, I want Titus 1:15. You forgot. Titus 1:15. Robert, is that you? What do you have? Would you read that for me? Or you already read it. Okay. Who who has Titus 1:15? Anybody? Nobody. Okay. Somebody has to get Titus 1:15 and uh, Wait a minute. Titus 1:15. Who's going to get that? Don Galati's going to get that for me. Okay, here's the processes. We read that before, but I want to lock in on that uh, verse again. Is to the pure, all things are pure, uh, but to them that are defiled, even their mind and conscience uh, is corrupted and there's this horrible condition of the Spirit. Here's a... Deliverance and a cleansing, and uh, this is a salvation in the mind. In this section right here, I want Ephesians six twelve. Uh, Paul Heimberg, I want uh, Hebrews nine thirteen and fourteen. Brian uh, Twister, you get for me First John one, uh, not Twister uh, uh, Landis. First John one six through nine, and Twister, you get for me Philippians four six and seven. Did you raise your hand? Yeah, Philippians four six and seven. Ephesians 6.12 a deliverance a cleansing and salvation for the mind Ephesians 6.12 who's got it? Read the next verse the next verse next verse next verse next verse that's it the helmet of salvation Okay, minor scribal error here. Uh, the helmet of salvation. Now, this is a very interesting word. Uh, there's one translation that literally says, get a deliverance for the mind. Get a deliverance for the mind. Hebrews nine thirteen and 14 tells us how to get that. Here's the only hope for a clean conscience, and this is especially desperate in our generation. It's filled with filth. It's filled with perversion. It's filled with uncleanness. We're bombarded on every hand. Many are drawn into its net. You'll never get free outside of this verse right here, which is the blood of Jesus Christ. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offer Himself without spot to God, cleanse or purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. It's the only hope for this generation in which we live, and it's becoming uh, far uh, more uh, uh, necessary as the years go on. 1 John 1, 6 through 9. If we say that we have fellowship with God and walk in darkness, we're lying and we're not doing the truth, Bill Clinton. Here's the cleansing. Here's the deliverance from the mind for the mind. There is no deliverance outside the blood of Jesus Christ. I've pastored for uh, yea, many years. And I want to tell you I've wrestled with human personalities. I've talked in counsel, and I want to tell you that uh, back to basics, absolutely. you can throw uh, psychology in the trash can. It's useless. It has no power. It may even identify. What the problem is that it has no power to change the human personality or to change the inner workings of the mind. Only one power, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ, has the power to change the inner workings of the human mind. Uh, uh, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. You will not be able to maintain a sound mind, a disciplined mind, a mind that is whole outside the disciplines of the Christian faith. That Scripture says very plainly, uh, don't don't give your mind to uh, uh, worries, anxiety. Uh, Don't uh, live in fear and torment of what's happening. But you need to get on your knees and begin to pray. And as you begin to pray... He says there's something begins to happen, a spiritual dynamic, and that is that now God begins to mount guard over your hearts and your minds. Through that prayer, it begins to give you a protection. It's not enough to simply get clean. It's not enough to simply get a deliverance. You have to build into that a discipline that keeps your, uh, uh, that keeps your mind guarded. And that word is a military term. It uh, is a sentry. That sentry is armed and is on post and waiting for any attempt to make an incursion into. And that's what the Holy Spirit will do for you if you will begin to pray and lay hold of God. God's work is for a sound mind. Somebody get for me 2 Timothy 1.7 uh, uh, back in this far left side. Uh, uh, Pete Baker, that'll be fine. Luke 8.35 over in my far left. It's Scott Lamb. And I want Philippians 4.8. Somebody get that for me. Uh, Joel will get that for me. It's Philippians 4.8. God's work is to give you and I a sound mind. Here's our text, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. God's work is not giving us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. This is what God's work is to produce in the human personality and the, the actual word there, the Greek word is, of the sound mind is sophrenio. It comes from two words. Sozo, to have to have and phronio, the mind. And this is how it comes to have a sound mind or in one's right mind. Luke 8.35 clothed, and in his right mind. Here's a man that's a total loss of society. He's the demoniac of the Gadarenes. Jesus ministers this man, and Luke 8.35 gives us this tremendous testimony that here's a man that's instantly transformed. He's in such bad shape, they've held him in chains. The demon power is so powerful, it's broken those chains. But here we have him. He's clothed and in his right mind. Right mind mind. This is what we're looking for. This is what God will produce. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, you're going to have to give your uh, mind a discipline, and you're going to have to exercise your mind in the right direction. And if there's any praise, if there's any virtue, uh, if there's any of these things, think on these things. You're not going to find these on Oprah. Right? Don't don't blink your mean eye at me. I said you're not going to find these on the boob tube. You take this verse and paste it right over the screen. And pretty soon you find that there's almost nothing to look at. Isn't that correct? Well, moving very quickly on to a uh, subject that everybody agrees with, uh, we want to talk about the reprobate mind. Nick, will you get for me? Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 32. Read them in a loud, clear voice. I want 1 Corinthians nine twenty-seven Right here is Jim Landis. I want Hebrews 6, 8. Uh, Pete Baker, I want 2 Corinthians 13:5 through 7. Martin, if you'll get those for me. And so here we have the warning. Now, what we're gonna what we're gonna see this morning is we touched on this but didn't spend a lot of time with it. What we're gonna see here is the processes as the processes begin to increase. You're going to see the degeneracy of the human mind that produces much of the filth and the garbage, the the, the perversion and uncleanness that we have in our generation. Romans 1, 21 to uh, 32. Here's the Bible gives a warning and gives us a graphic picture. Although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. They knew God. They had their Bibles. They knew about the Word of God. But they didn't glorify Him as God. How you glorify Him as God is you say, God, uh, You rule, and I want to do nothing except what pleases You. Show me what You want me to do, and I'll walk in that pathway. That's glorifying Him as God. The last days there will be many, says, Lord, Lord. He'll say to them, I never knew You. Why? Uh, Did He not know He's omniscient? Of course He knows, but He didn't know them in their will because He wouldn't do what they knew to be right. Go ahead, Nick. There's a process. Through not allowing God to have dominion in their lives, their foolish heart was darkened, professing, professing themselves to be wise. They say, hey, we know. We have knowledge. We've got computers, buddy. we got hard drive that's got megabytes by the jillions. Became wise. Professing to say, hey, we're, we, listen, we've got, we've got a handle on this. Go ahead. They became fools. May, and change the image of the uh, of the uh, uh, glory of God, uh, incorruptible God, into uh, image, uh, and it's going to describe things that are upon the earth. What always happens, man will have a God. He's created to have a God. He will have a God. He may uh, devise this, but he invariably will devise a philosophy. He will devise a deity. He will devise, and this is why you see our generation field with New Age, they'll believe they'll, they'll believe anything. I I got interviewed on the radio in El Paso, and, and so uh, one guy's a funny boy, and the other one is uh, is a Jew. So they're uh, they're interviewing me about miracles. They've, they've seen this and and they've read uh, the book, and so they want this is going out. It's a popular talk show in El Paso, Texas, and so as uh, they're interviewing me, uh, this Jew he wants to talk about pork. How come I'm eating pork? So. <laughs> And so, but it was a wonderful testimony. I got to get the gospel out wonderfully. But I'm sitting there, and I'm I'm watching these guys. They won't believe in miracles. But both of them have uh, a magnet bracelets on. So when we got through and the radio shut off, I said, uh, "Hey, what's the what's the bracelet you got on?" I said, "Oh, that's magnets." I said, "No, you believe in magnets, but you won't believe what God says." Go ahead, Nick. That's the sermonizing. therefore God gave them up to uncleanness the, the, the result of false doctrine is bad morals because fallen man in the lust of his heart to dishonor his body the fallen man will always give way to the base passions. you cannot escape it if you uh, will not surrender to God Uh, you have very little chance of surviving in the long run because the power of false morals or bad morals is too strong. Many, many people think they can do that and they fall by the wayside. Go ahead. They exchange the truth of God for new age. Their focus is upon the creature. They believe they have God inside here. As a matter of fact, they are God, if you really want to get down to the nitty gritty. Go ahead, Nick. That's why the Clinton administration's filled with homos and lesbians, they've filled every public office, is because they've rejected God. You cannot live a moral life unless God controls your passion. Faggots are on every hand. They're insatiable. They go insane. Every mass murder is a queer. They have AIDS. It's ravaged their community. You don't believe it? Look at the obituaries. God gave them over to a debased mind King James says a reprobate mind go ahead 1998, September, this is society. Okay, a reprobate mind is a mind that's lost its moorings. See, there are reference points in the mind. As you are in society, as you raise your children, Their are reference point. This is why that divorce is such an evil thing. It begins to remove the reference point. This is why the illegitimate children... Most of them wind up in prisons, a juvenile institution, and many in mental institutions because they've lost the mooring, they've lost the reference points. When I first went into Australia, I began to wrestle with what on earth I was dealing with in that society, and it began to dawn on me that the family was a facade, that most of those people had no reference points in their life, illegitimacy was rampant. Uh, there was, uh, uh, although the men are putting on this big front, big ocker of it, that women run the country and dominate. It's a matriarchal society, and they've lost their morals, and it means void of judgment. When you do not have the reference points for judgment, then you will not make the correct judgments. First Corinthians nine twenty-seven. I've become disqualified. is that same root word that comes from reprobate. It means that uh, it's worthless, rejected, morally abandoned, and depraved. Hebrews six eight. The rejected is that same root word uh, that uh, from which comes reprobate. Second Corinthians thirteen five through seven. seven? Uh, I thought you did. Okay. Disqualified is the same w- word back to reprobate. So we're dealing with the mind. This is a reasoning faculty especially as concerning moral action and the intelligent uh, intelligent or the intellectual part of our consciousness. And so here we're dealing with a reprobate mind uh, and a reprobate mind has a process. That process uh, begins to generate. And leads us into that. We got about uh, three or four minutes. Do we have some questions or comment at this point? Uh, Rob uh, Kennard. generally, yes, nobody backslides overnight, and nobody ever backslides alone. And so uh, this is generally what happens. It is a process, Rob, uh, that happens. Garbage in, garbage out. And so, uh, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, the Scripture says. Somebody else, we got time for another couple of questions or comments. Uh, Carlene Krupp.